0: Welcome to a longer table podcast, a space for real and sometimes hard conversations that will often challenge your perspective and always empower you to pull up more seats around your own table. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter. Let's dive in. Today, I'm welcoming my friend David to the podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to just hear a little bit about his story. I think David's one of um, the most unique people I've encountered since moving to Chicago. And David, I'm just so pumped you were willing to do this. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. That was a great introduction.
0: Yeah. You know, just getting right into it. Yeah. Um, You and I first met through our church, Soul City Church. We were both in a small group for creatives. Mm -hmm. Um, Eric was in it as well. And your now wife, at the time, fiancé, was in the group too. So we got to know you guys. We loved you guys. I was fascinated to find out that you are an actor. So when did you know that you wanted to be an actor? Is this something like since you were a kid?
1: Um, yeah, so I would, I would say probably since I was a kid, um, back, back when they still had drama classes in public schools, like I, that was probably my favorite class outside of gym. Um, but I, I just really enjoyed, um, I don't even know if it was enjoying the performing aspect or just like having to like basically play imagination land, you know? Um, so I, I, really just liked you know, using my imagination, going to like another world or being, being another person. Um, So that's really where I I think my love for it started. Um, And then my mom used to always take me and my sister to plays at like the local junior college by us. Um, And I think my sister probably fell asleep during most of them, but I I just enjoyed watching the like production as a whole. Um, It just seems so um, different than going to like, just watch a movie. Like everything was just right in front of you. Um, so I enjoyed like the theater aspect, but also films as well. And like TV. Um, I I think I just grew up, um, kind of enjoying that entertainment and my mom, I think I would attribute to kind of getting me into that world early on. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it was, it was pretty early for me. Um, the only thing was when I got, Um, I probably like middle school, high school time, like I I was playing so many sports that I couldn't really be in the school productions. Um, so I really didn't get into any productions until college.
0: Wow. Yeah, because we're gonna talk about like that other I I, not that you live a double life, but I'm like, okay, there's the actor David, and then there's like the fitness junkie athlete David. And if people saw you in person, which they can only hear you right now, but like you you look like an athlete for sure. Yeah. Um, so okay, but sticking to the acting part of this conversation, what is something people like me who have never been, I was never a theater kid. I don't Mm -hmm. love, I'm going to be honest. I don't love um, going to musicals or different theater productions. At least I haven't found a whole lot that I'm into. You know, there was one, I think it's called Rent. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's one that I love. Okay. That's a great show. People like me who, who aren't, just have no clue about the profession of acting. Uh, what's something that, that we wouldn't know that we might find surprising or just that you would like to share with people who aren't actors?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I, there's probably a couple things, but um, I think the hardest part for me um, actually getting into this, like professionally after college um, was a lot of people would say like, oh, you're going into acting. Wow. That's really, you know, a cutthroat industry. It's going to be tough to break into. And while that is a very, like, that's a very valid fact, the hardest part that I was finding was basically like, you're getting ghosted constantly. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, they say the, it's like an industry of no's, but the problem that I was, I was starting to see is like, they don't even tell you no, they just don't, they don't reach back out to you. So it'd be like going to like an interview at um, let's just say a company that puts on interviews, but that's not the company you're interviewing for. So basically I go to this casting company to interview for a production that is kind of just using the casting company to get the talent. So you go there and you do your interview and you think you crushed it and you leave the door and you never hear back from them. So that's like the toughest thing for me was to like come to grips with like, they're looking for a certain something Um, and I could go in there and say the words perfectly. I could nail every, you know, joke in the, in the, I guess, five lines of the script that I'm auditioning with. Um, but if I remind, like, let's say the casting director or like the director of somebody that used to like bully them in high school, they're probably not going to select me. And that's not really against me. That's more of just like the nature of the business. Mm -hmm. But it, it really was like the hardest thing for me was like the fact that I'm getting ghosted and it's it's not just like oh i'm sorry this isn't for you it's just like thank you for coming and then i never hear every, anything again wow. and that was just yeah. so hard to like become like accustomed to i guess
0: yeah do you think you've gotten thicker skin from this whole process and the grind of being an actor
1: yeah i definitely think so i also think therapy has helped a lot with that as well <laughs> um full disclosure but like it's just like it's 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 something you can't really you can't really become used to it until you go through a lot of it. Like Mm -hmm. if I were to give up after my first year of like auditioning, like with an agent and and going through all that process, then I never would have like developed the kind of routine that I have now. And now it gets to the point where, like I'll bring my script into the room with me just in case they're telling me some direction in between my first take and my second take. Mm -hmm. But usually before I even leave the building, I'm throwing that script into the trash. And it's like, it's literally showing me that like, okay, put this out of your mind. And then like mentally, I'm like, okay, if I get an email with from my agent saying I got a call back, I'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. But like I used to like keep the script in my backpack and like open up my backpack and like, okay, I forgot. I did audition for that. When, when are they going to call me back? But yeah. now I literally have to just take it out of my hand and out of my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense for sure. And there are some similarities in the book world. Like I have an agent mm-hmm. and she pitches my book and book proposal to different publishing companies and some you get an offer, some you get a rejection and others you just never hear back from. So it is it's it's not nearly the frequency though because you're auditioning pretty consistently and probably pretty constantly whereas a, a book it's like you spend so much time on it and then you put it out there for a month's period of time with mm-hmm. a deadline. So it's just a different process, but, but yeah. there are some similarities in that. Um, really quick, fun question is mm-hmm. what has been like the coolest or your favorite, um, acting gig thus far, like a show you've been in or yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, well I was in, I had a small speaking part in, in the, uh, season three finale of empire um, where I was a, I was basically like a, a high roller, um, casino, like kind of bodyguard. Um, so I, I actually got to be in a scene with like Nia Long, um, Vivica Fox. Um, and, and that was just really cool to experience. Um, I, I was, I think when I got there, that was like my first like TV role and, um, actually my only TV role at this point, but Who's keeping score at this point? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so I go there and like to start the day. I had to go to the makeup trailer, and they were kind of like touching up my hair and, and giving me a little bit of makeup. But right when I get in the trailer, like Neil Long is sitting there, Vivica Fox is sitting there, and like as a like a black kid that grew up in the '90s, like those were like the girls that I was looking at. Like, oh my gosh, they're so beautiful. So like I'm just nervous from the jump. Um, but it was really cool to like experience that and like kind of see how they are professional and and go through like, just the daily rigors of being an actor Um, and and I think that just kind of taught me like if I want this to be like you know like my primary job my primary career like it's something where I have to like kind of develop a routine of success Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just something that I've kind of been working on just you know through this quarantine is just trying to put in habits that can help me to you know, continue to grow in my acting whether it's me writing some stuff with some friends or if I'm helping out a friend with like a short horror film that I'm actually working on right now and just like stuff that I don't have to wait for an audition. Um, it's basically like if I use the gym analogy, it's like, you have to continuously be in the gym to like build your muscle. You can't just go in there and be like, all right, let me bench 300 pounds today and then come back in two months and do it again. Like I I was, I feel like I was waiting for these auditions to be like, oh, now I can act again when there's just so many resources out there to like help me do that. And I think just being on that set for those two days just showed me like they, they were almost methodical with what they were Mm. doing. And, and I, I was kind of looking at it a little bit differently after that, but yeah, that was definitely the coolest experience I had.
0: That's awesome. yeah, and I love that that analogy with the gym that makes a lot of sense. So it's really cool that you're you're like, okay, I, I'm not in control of these auditions, how frequently they're offered, when I get to do them, if I'm gonna get the part. but what mm. I am in control of, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know step up and I'm gonna be consistent. So that's really right. cool. Yeah. So while while acting would be your main pursuit, the thing that you would love to be your primary career, Mm-hmm. You, and you still are pursuing that hard and working hard. You also are an athlete. You have these abilities and these talents which have led you to a new endeavor, um, Humble Fitness. So, yes. okay, really quick for people who don't know, what is Humble Fitness and why the name?
1: Um, so, yeah, that's, I, I, I think that's what I'm calling my uh, personal training company at this point. Um, I'm still very early on in, in the process of everything. Um, but I chose the name. It's kind of like a play on my last name. So it's like Humbell, I guess, if you were to read it literally. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I chose the name actually, I know I chose the name because I, I wanted it to be kind of centered on, you know, just kind of the principles that I have as like, as like a Christian and, you know, we're called to be humble servants. And I, I found, you know just this. I think I I've got this spark in my mind around last year, this time to be, to be honest, where I was just like, I, I needed to find more of like a, I guess a day job, if you will, that I, I could devote more of my time and energy to, and not just feel like I had to like be motivated and the motivation was already there. So I felt like just with my athletic history and also still like working out to make sure I'm staying in shape for, you know, um, whatever roles come my way. Um, I figured, you know, at least at at some point I would like to like see if I could, you know, turn like the weightlifting and the fitness into like a career. So it's kind of like I, I'm already doing something I love. So if acting never does pan out the way I want it to in like my storybook mind right now, like I still have something that I can devote my time and energy into and not just see it as like I'm going in there to collect a check.
0: Right, right. I love that. Yeah, you definitely are a passionate person and Um, okay. I have to ask because it just popped up in my mind as Mm -hmm. you were talking, would you ever take an acting role that required you to like get really fat? And Oh wait, let me rephrase that. Would you ever take on an acting role that required you to put on a ton of weight and maybe even be, or I, I don't know the right way to phrase this, but like be unhealthy or look unhealthy for a role. Cause you're a really like health conscious dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And thank, thank you for that. Um, I, I think I would. So I, I look at that as kind of the nature of the business sometimes. Like if I, if I, first of all, it's going to be easier for me to gain weight than if it was like me coming up at 300 pounds and trying to get back down to my size right now. So if I had to like gain weight, I think I would enjoy that. Like, I could eat a lot more. Like I wouldn't be watching any calories. I'm just like, I need to put on pounds. So that would be fun. But like, if I were to reverse it where like, I just finished shooting a role where I was just like some fat kid in a, in a teenage, like high school film or something like, and then going into like something where I had to be more like Zac Efron and like uh Baywatch, like, I feel like that would just be grueling. Yeah. Um, but if it was just something like, if someone were to come to me tomorrow and be like, we're going to put you in this movie, will you do this? Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I think it, it depends on, you know, if I'm gaining or losing weight, but I think it would be, it would be, it would almost help me to kind of figure out or kind of get out of my own, like David Bell headspace and just be like, I'm completely different. Like once I reach whatever weight they need me to be at, or I'm looking how they want me to look like I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like, I don't even recognize myself. So it'd be a lot easier when I'm going through the takes to be, like kind of in that character instead of like kind of myself at the same time, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it does. It does. I was just genuinely curious. I'm like, okay, he's a pretty health conscious dude. We just started talking about your new endeavor with fitness training and all of that. Yeah. I wanted to ask too, did you go to school for acting or did you go to school for personal training or do, do you have a college degree? I think I know a little bit, mm-hmm. but to, but let our listeners in on, you know, cause you have such a unique journey. What did yeah. you go to school to study?
1: So initially I went, so I went to Illinois state, um, go birds. Um, I went to Illinois state and I, I selected marketing as my major. Um, and it was more of like, I was kind of going there undeclared, but my dad was kind of suggesting like he was in marketing at the time. He worked for all save for many years. Um, he was just thinking like the way the future is going, I think marketing is always going to be something that's in demand. And I'm just like, okay, cool looking back on it, I kind of wish I would have went undeclared because then you can kind of get a taste of like certain areas, certain careers and kind of figure out what you like. Um, and that's kind of how it happened for acting. So one of my general education requirements was, uh, was a intro to theater class. And in that class, obviously you're studying like the history of not only American theater, but British theater. So it's kind of like, unless you're super into Shakespeare or super into like old playwrights it's not that you know entertaining of a a class but one of the requirements for the class was to um we had to see three productions um a semester and it was a it was a full year so it was two semesters we had to see six productions that you know the school put on um and in those productions um you would have to like kind of write a review like you were like a, a critic um but i i just really enjoyed like going to see the plays and stuff and then there i i um, one of one of the uh, actors in one of the productions that I remember vividly, um, it was the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. It was like a musical. Okay. Um, and there was a a black actor in there. His name is Leroy Hawkins. He's actually um, Atwater on um, Chicago PD right now. Okay. Um, so, So I had seen him around campus a lot. We had, you know, seen each other at parties, like he's a very personable guy. So I kind of knew him a little bit, but I had no idea he was an actor, let alone could sing. Like he's got a great voice. Um, but just seeing him and I think it's just like the idea of like representation, like it really does matter because I didn't see many other African American or really like actors of, or actresses of color, um, on our campus. Um, So just seeing him up there and enjoying himself and, you know, singing and and just being that character, it kind of like brought me back to when I was younger and watching those plays with my mom. And, you know, halfway through, I think that first semester, I was starting to tell my friends, I'm like, I think I'm going to change my major. And like, it wasn't that big of an issue. Like people change their majors all the time. But I was literally going from marketing to like theater to something that I hadn't even like really done before in my life. Right. so that was just kind of something where i i made that decision for myself and i knew i did um it was just hard for me to like tell my parents because i knew like they were helping me pay for college and there's really not like a uh up and coming like job market for like actors coming out of uh, out of college so like right. i didn't have like a job you know route after school um so it was just hard for me to do that but i my mom for sure understood. And she could tell that I was doing this for, you know, what I enjoyed and what, what brought me joy. Um, My dad's kind of always been about numbers, always been about, you know, kind of staying inside the lines. Um, So it's a little bit harder to convince him. Um, But once I made that decision, like I was just off and running, I was taking like a lot of courses um, theater wise, where it was like um, stage craft or movement or um, there's like a meditation like class that we were taking as well, kind of helping you get more in tune with your body and being more present, which is definitely helpful when you're in a scene like you don't you're not really thinking about the next line. You're more thinking of like the conversation and how, the conversation would go instead of going, well, I have to make sure that I'm saying this sentence. Um, so just a lot of that stuff just kind of informed the actor that I am now. Um, but it really was just the matter of taking that intro to theater class. And then the rest is like kind of history right now.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. It sounds like, you know, you kind of went into school thinking you were going to do one thing, sort of trying to stay within your parents' advice and, mm-hmm. you know, make the quote unquote logical decision. And then you really found something you were passionate about and excited about and decided mm-hmm. to pursue it while at the same time you'd always been an athlete. So you kind of had that in your back pocket. And so kind of circle back to go back. Cause of course I'm all over the place. That's how I am. <laughs> no what problem. with, with this newer endeavor with the humbell fitness, is that how, is that how I should pronounce it? Humbell fitness?
1: You know, I was talking to Kels, um, the other night and I was trying to figure it out. Cause I, I feel like I either say humbell or humble. And I didn't think about that when I was thinking of the name, I just thought the name was perfect. Um, but yeah, I don't think it really matters. I, I say humbell, um, but. Honestly, if someone's using my services, that's all. I, I don't really care about how they pronounce it. So.
0: You're you're figuring it out. You're you're yeah. cool. Yeah. So with that, what, um, how, like, right now, is that your main thing while you're pursuing acting on the side? And what do you really want people to get out of it? Like, uh, how do you set yourself apart as a personal trainer from all these other people that we see doing it? Because it feels like a bit of an of a saturated market. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's not. You tell me.
1: No. Yeah, you're definitely right there. Um, it definitely is a saturated market, but it's not my primary job right now. Um, currently I'm an office manager at the Illinois Supreme court commission on professionalism. Um, so I've been doing that for about, um, it'll be two years in December actually. Um, and that's, that's definitely like my primary job. That's my primary focus. Um, I just started doing the personal training, um, account slash service, um, within quarantine. So just within these past few months, um, initially I was going to try to, you know, do a part-time job at a gym or a facility somewhere in the Chicago area. Um, but once like everything got shut down with the stay at home order, um, I, I think I was I was giving myself the excuse of, Oh, I'll just wait for the gyms to open back up. Um, cause you know, when, when we first got everything shut down in March, we were just like, Oh, we'll be, we'll be fine in a couple of weeks. Um, but then as time goes on and it's like the end of June, I'm like, well, I need to like kind of get this up and running on my, on my own. Um, so I started doing it in the summer, which kind of was helpful. So I could, you know, go outside and meet people at parks and kind of put them through like a workout Or um, if, if it was something where they didn't feel comfortable going out and meeting at a park, we would do it over Zoom. Um, so at this point, it, it's something that I'm just trying to get off the ground. Um, I, am definitely using the account to kind of post like a weekly video series, trying to stay, um, on top of that, just making sure I'm still putting that content out there. It's a little bit difficult for me cause I'm not too extroverted in general. And then to be that way on social media, it's a little bit difficult. Um, but I think in the long In the long term, I would I would probably prefer to, you know, be be a trainer at a gym um, versus doing it on my own. Um, But at this time, the way that everything is kind of set up, I see it as kind of like a blessing in disguise where I can kind of create my own content and kind of cater to people's certain needs um, on my own instead of having to working through the umbrella of like, oh, well, if you're not a member at this gym, you can't have my services.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think it's so cool that you didn't let COVID stop you from pursuing Mm -hmm. this. Um, And in fact, you're like, okay, I just have to pivot. So here's how I'm going to do that. I'm curious. Do you know your Enneagram type? Are you a three? Because you achieve a lot. You like are a self-starter, but that Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a three. So I'm curious.
1: That's actually a good question. Um, I don't remember.
0: What um, we go to Soul City? You have to know your enneagram type. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: Um, dang, and Kelsey just walked in, but I think she walked back out. She definitely would remember. That's okay. um, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it was a three because I feel like just as of late, and I definitely like I was talking to my therapist about this on Friday. Actually, as of late, I feel like I've I've become more comfortable with who I am. Um So I've become more comfortable making my own decisions and not allowing outside forces to inform those decisions. So I think just, you know, definitely during quarantine that that's kind of like been probably my main like achievement is just kind of being my becoming my own person and being okay with whoever that is. Um, so I don't think it's always been there for me because to be honest with you, there's a lot of things a lot of times where I felt like I'm just like, underachieving. Like there'd be times in school where I knew I could turn that C into a B, but I'm like, but the sea's passing. So like, mm-hmm. it's kind of something that's always been there, but I haven't been able to tap into it yet. And yeah. I think like COVID and quarantine's kind of helped me like sit in that a little bit more and be like, well, why, why don't I try a little bit harder? Yeah. Like why don't I look at these little achievements as like bigger achievements? So yeah. I think maybe if I were to take the Enneagram again, and I probably should now that, I, now that I'm saying all of this, I think it would be, it would be different than when it was like maybe, two years ago when I took it for the first time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or perhaps your type is the same, but you've moved towards health in a, in a big way that you, you know, so it'll be interesting. You'll have to follow up with me because I'll be curious to know what your type is, but okay. You've alluded to it a couple of times now in this conversation. And I, (laughs) I didn't know this about you, but you're in therapy. So one, uh, props to you because I'm a big fan of counseling. I advocate for that. I try to normalize it and destigmatize it. Um, I think our church has done a great job of that. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious as a, as a, not only a male, but as a black male Mm
1: -hmm. is,
0: I mean, did it take a lot for you to say yes or to decide to go to counseling or, or what, what, um, what led you to it? If I, if you don't mind me asking.
1: No, no, I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly fine talking about it. I actually appreciate talking about it. Um, I think so. Towards my senior year, probably like midway through my senior year of college, because I had an extra year. I took the victory lap because I switched majors. So did I. It. <laughs> it's, it's a great time. Um, so I, I um, was getting to this point where I'm like, okay, graduation is coming up. And I knew that I didn't have a job, that I was like, I can go intern at this company and in six months I'll be full time. Like I didn't have a job like that. So I was starting to like, kind of get in my head and kind of feel like a little like depressed. Like Mm. I felt like I made this decision, you know, these opportunities like aren't really out there for me right now. I kind of don't even know what the landscape is, where to even begin, where I'm going to live. Um, I'm going back home to live with my parents, um, which actually was probably the best thing for me anyways, but I, I was starting to like, get down on myself and feel like I've like made a mistake or like I just wasted five years. What am I going to do? So I started therapy, um, probably yeah, my senior year of college, um, graduated. Um, and I didn't take any therapy, didn't see anybody for probably about two years, maybe three. Um, so that would be about 2017. So maybe 2018. So maybe four years. Um, After school, I, after college, I was, I was working, um, this job where I was living downtown Chicago, but driving all the way up to the suburbs, like by my parents every single day. So I was on the road for two hours, um, a day just traveling to work. And it was this job that I just did not like. I was kind of just sitting at this front desk, kind of letting people inside the door, answering the phones. And I'm like, I did not go to college for this. I didn't need to go to college for that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Which also is another conversation to have. Sometimes I feel like it depends on the job. You don't really need to go to school. Absolutely. Um, So I, I was kind of getting down on myself again and I just felt like, okay, if I just get a different job, I'll be good. Um, So I started working at the job that I'm at now and I think in the transition from me going from that old job to the current job, like I just felt like I did not have the skills to be successful in that position. And it was like really wearing on me where I was like walking to the train each morning and just kind of like dreading the day because I knew it wasn't a matter of what I was going to mess up. It was a matter of, or it wasn't a matter of if I was going to mess up. It was a matter of when I was going to mess up just that day. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to have one mistake this week. It was like almost daily. I felt like something was coming up and I just wasn't able to kind of solve the problems. And as like an office manager, you're kind of there to solve the problems. You're not really there like as like a special technician for anything. It's just like something comes up, you need to handle it. But the problem was I didn't know how to handle it. And I just kept like having this cycle of like almost every day kind of felt like I was waking up like on a rainy Monday. Hmm. And like, whether it was sunny out whether it was you know 70 degrees in the summer like i just felt like there was like a rain cloud almost following me and i just knew it wasn't right and i had talked to kels about it a few times and and i just kind of got to the point where i was like i think i need to start seeing someone mm-hmm. and i had always felt ever since college ever since that senior year you know therapy when when i was going that i just i wanted to get back into it yeah. um, and i've always seen therapy as just something that is, you know, for lack of better words like therapeutic, like it's it's nice to be able to talk totally. to someone who doesn't, you know, I I was actually telling my therapist this last week like I felt like I was getting to the point where I was either going to my wife for her to like help me with my problems or like talking to my parents, but like the problem that I would find is like that's a lot of pressure on them. And I felt like if you're talking to someone who's more, you know, educationally trained to actually help you go through these problems. Totally, It's not only better on you, but it's better on the the ones around you. So I was, um, I was telling my therapist this and she was like, yeah, I feel like a lot of people sometimes um, they feel like they're talking to like their significant other about this, but then it happens to be their significant other has like a personal experience that they're kind of relating to what's going on. And you never really get that full connection where you can figure it out on your own. Um, So a lot of the stuff that I needed to deal with, a lot of my mess was just like stuff that I had in my life that I was either neglecting or I was, I was refusing to really, um, put my focus on and and see that I have the ability to make these changes or I have these, uh, the ability to kind of figure out what the root of the issue is. And that's kind of what therapy has been for me is just kind of like really getting to the roots of like everything that's going on or has gone on in my life. Like growing up for me, like I grew up in a pred- predominantly white suburb. Mm-hmm. So like as a six, six black man today, like that's, there's a lot of baggage there that I kind of just wasn't unpacking. Yeah. Um, and without therapy, it's not like I could talk to my, you know, either white friends or my black friends who probably grew up in different areas and they'd be able to relate. Like the only, only you can figure out your mess. And that's mm-hmm. what I think has helped me the most is just realizing that, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed. And if you don't address them, they're going to show up in other areas of
0: your life. Totally. Yeah. You are preaching to the choir in terms of my feelings about therapy. So I I just like underscore, underlined, highlight, bold, emphasize everything that you're saying. Um, yes. Big fan. Love it. Uh, quick question. Some mm-hmm. rapid fire as we wrap up our time. Okay. Uh, 2020 has been whack. Let's just like sum it up as that. Yep. uh we we i mean gosh where do we begin we've got covid we've got uh police brutality and black yeah. lives and being murdered unjustly and uh i mean that in itself could be a whole episode right but mm-hmm. uh, and now the, the election and just so much there's just been a lot of drama like i'm exhausted yeah. how yeah. so these are the rapid fire questions for you david how has 2020 and all that has gone on in it impacted your friendships
1: um yeah my friendships it's at first okay so like I think there's a probably two-part answer to this if I can be quick so um before George Floyd and before I guess America's uh, I guess awakening if you could put it that way um I think because we were at home it was like I was finding more value in the friendships that I was you know, still participating in. Cause it's like, you have to find a way to still connect more than just a text. Totally. You know? So I was finding more value in that and just finding or just understanding like the friends that are like, kind of like, I guess my inner circle, like I, I have a lot of friends, but like there's, you know, certain levels to the friendships. Totally. Um, so before George Floyd, I was kind of like seeing those friendships in a different light. And then after George Floyd, um, I was kind of trying to figure out how to fully process what was going on because I was talking to actually somebody at work like shortly after the George Floyd incident. And I was just basically saying like, I feel like this is the most I've ever been listened to in my life. And the only problem is like, there's not much I can say at this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, cause there's been times, you know, like just subtle hints of things in the past. Like, I mean, Trayvon Martin, I, that was like 2010-ish, maybe yep. 2011. Yep. And things really hadn't changed since. And they really haven't changed since George Floyd. So like, I felt like the attention was on me, but the problem was I feel like And probably many black people at the time felt like there's not much we can say at this time. Like, yes, this is all going on. This is all happening right now. So like that was interesting because there were some friends of mine that I wanted to hear from and that I wasn't hearing from. Mm. Um, but I also like felt like those harder to have conversations um, were actually um, definitely necessary, but more impactful at after after George Floyd, because there were some friends where I just felt like I hadn't heard from them and I wanted to hear from them. And it, and it kind of took me stepping outside of my own little bubble and just reaching out saying, hey, man, can we sit and talk? And once we did sit and talk, there's, you know, a lot going on. But it was, it was better for us to actually just have that tough conversation. Um but yeah it, it it's it's been kind of like an interesting an interesting look at my friendships this year for sure.
0: Totally. Okay, what about your marriage? How has this year impacted your marriage? Has the quarantine life been good for you and Kelsey or has it made it more challenging?
1: Um I I would say it's been good. So initially when everyone was kind of shut down Kels you know being a speech pathologist still had to go into work because she was uh deemed a essential worker um and I think it was a little bit difficult on her end because like not only am I working from home but like all her friends are working from home and like all of that she had to deal with and it was just like strange to like drive through an empty Chicago, like going downtown to go to work. Um, but it was really nice to be able to like it was almost like we were still in college. Like we were just coming back home. She would come home. I would be cooking some dinner and we'd, you know, watch a movie or something, play video games. Like she enjoys video games, which is really cool. Um <laughs> but yeah, it was I I think we were just kind of growing accustomed to like being with each other primarily, you know, and like right. we had been married in, in In 2019, 2018, actually. She's going to be mad that I said that. Um, (laughs) But just, you know, getting into that marriage, like we kind of, you know, very early on right now, we're just kind of like forced to be with each other, like really be with each other and not like put other things on our calendar. Um, so it's, it's actually helped, I think, cause we actually have been able to talk more, have better conversations, deeper conversations. Um, but yeah, I'm actually glad that that's happened that way. Cause I see, I could see it going South pretty quick. Uh, yeah. definitely for some people, like, especially if you're just like living with your girlfriend or boyfriend and, like, it could be the time where you realize, oh, we are definitely not good together, but
0: right. Right. Yeah.
1: It's been, it's been pretty good for us.
0: That's awesome. So I know you're still, you know, uh, fairly new husband but what advice mm-hmm. would you give other young married men um what's what's something you've learned or what's like if you could only give one piece of advice what would it be
1: um it would definitely be pick your battles wisely <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's for sure. And if I could, it would just be like, if one thing I could say is just put the seat down. Like it's, it's not that hard. It really is not that hard. Cause if you don't, the the way that it's going to fester and problems are going to be like, something can start with that. And then she'll be talking about like, and another thing. And then you're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I thought this was just about the seat being up. Why are we talking about
0: about the seat?
1: Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) just put the seat down. If that's just one thing I could say.
0: That's so good. I love it. Okay. The last one on this uh, little rapid fire that I was doing was uh, Mm -hmm. now, how has all this impacted your faith? I want to end on that note because even though this isn't a strictly uh, faith-based podcast, you've already said Mm -hmm. that you are a Christ follower. I know that about you. So how has 2020 impacted your faith?
1: Um, For me, I think this is the closest I have been in my life to Jesus for sure. Um, and definitely the Holy spirit. Cause it, like I, like I was saying before, like just being at home, um, and just having time alone, especially when Kels is at work. Like I have like a routine now that I do every morning. Like I wake up at least an hour and a half, maybe two hours before work. Um, I'll actually meditate on the Headspace app with my grandma and my mom. We've been doing that for, I think, 230 days straight now. Um, That's so cool. So yeah, we'll start with that and then I'll hang up with them and then I'll, I'll do my devotionals in the morning. You know, I'll have my quiet time. I've actually started to like actually sit and instead of just praying about whatever is going on. I'm just trying to listen. You know, mm. I feel like a lot of times, um, especially as Christians, the way that we're taught to pray is just like say everything that's on your heart, which is cool. Like you can say all of that, but you also should be listening to see if you you can hear a response because it, it would be like me coming on this podcast right now and unprompted, just saying everything I just said and being like, oh, thanks for the call. I'll talk to you later. Like there right. should be a dialogue going on, and right. I think just me with being at home and being able to just be alone has helped me to really like slow down and just really sit and just try to listen. And, and and maybe some days I don't hear anything. Um, maybe some days I do. Um, I've, I've just been like working on that. And I think if it wasn't for COVID, like, I don't think I would have gotten into this routine um, just because it's so easy to just, you know, digitally do everything now, even with the Bible app. Like totally. I've started like literally, like I have my physical Bible next to me because I've literally been like reading my physical Bible for the first time since like High school, maybe.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but I think, yeah, 2020 has really like boosted my faith. If mm. anything, like I'm more confident now, and in, in you know my knowledge of the word, and also just my my faith in general. Like, I, a lot of people were stressed out last week, which I get it because there's a lot going on, and the election just means a lot to a lot of people. But to me, I'm just like, well, Jesus is still ruling my life. Mm. Um, it's not going to matter who's living in the White House to really change how I feel about Jesus and, and how I feel about God and how I feel about the way that I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't think if, if, if COVID didn't occur, um, I don't think I would have had that feeling. Like I I probably still would have been into that news cycle, into the social media cycle of just getting down this road of like, oh, why do they think this way? Don't they know that people are over here suffering? Like, but I'm trying to like literally control what I can control. And that's literally just waking up and going through my routine every morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. And such a different answer than what a lot of people in my community that I've talked to recently have said about 2020 and the impact it's had on their faith. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems to have rattled a lot of people and their beliefs and that's, Mm -hmm. that's okay too. Right. It's all welcome. But I think it is really cool to hear, um, just your excitement behind the growth that you've experienced in your spiritual journey, um, during this time. So I feel inspired. I love it. And I, uh, I relate on the, listening piece that you talked about, because that's what I've been doing is a devotional called I am listening mm. that, uh, an actual real life, dear friend of mine, uh, wrote and self-published. And it's all about reading a short snippet and then just sitting and like allowing the Holy spirit to, you know, bring stuff up for you. However, that, yeah. that looks like, you know, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't always, I don't ever hear an audible voice personally, but yeah stuff comes up and we have to we have to make room to listen so i think it's it's really cool when we can use this space that's been forced upon us really well and that's what you're doing um Mm -hmm. so i'm inspired i'm really encouraged this was such a fun conversation i feel (laughs) like i I
1: had a good time too
0: i got to know you so much better um i'm super excited to see what happens when you become a famous actor like don't forget me when yeah
1: when is the keyword not if
0: yeah, no, it's not if, it's when. Yep, um, so just don't forget about your old pal over here.
1: <laughs> it won't. It won't.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks for being on a longer table.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.